This is Radio Romania International. You are listening to our one-hour broadcast in English for listeners in Western Europe and Africa. We can also be heard on the internet at www.ri.ro, Channel 1. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter and other social media platforms. Our programs are also available on TuneIn, Radio Romania International 1, and in Europe via satellite Utilsat 16A on 11,512 MHz, vertical polarization, azimuth 16 degrees east. We wish you good reception conditions. Hello, I'm Lekemer Asmion with the news. The headlines. The President of the European Council, Charles Michel, is coming to Bucharest today, where he will meet the Romanian President, Klaus Johannes. Today, the speakers of the two chambers of Romania's parliament are visiting the neighboring Republic of Moldova. The juridical and labor committees in the Romanian Senate are debating the government's draft law on the reduction of expenses with special pensions and the Romanian tennis player Sorana Cristea qualified for the round of 16th of the WTA 1000 tournament in Miami, Florida. The President of the European Council, Charles Michel, is coming to Bucharest today, where he will meet the President of Romania, Klaus Johannes. On Tuesday, according to the official schedule, Charles Michel will go to the neighboring Republic of Moldova, which has a majority Romanian-speaking population. The visit takes place after last week's summit in Brussels, following which the EU member states' leaders reiterated their support for the Republic of Moldova for its security and European path. The interim president of the Romanian Senate, Alina Gurgiu, and the president of the Chamber of Deputies, Marcel Ciolacu, are paying a visit to the neighboring Republic of Moldova today. They will participate in cultural events dedicated to the 105th anniversary of the Union of Bessarabia, an eastern province that was until then under the occupation of the Tsarist Empire with the Kingdom of Romania on March 27, 1918. In 1940, Bessarabia, as well as the north of Bukovina and Herza country, were re-annexed following an ultimatum by Stalin's Soviet Union. The current Republic of Moldova, independent since 1991, was established on part of the eastern Romanian territories occupied by Moscow. In Bucharest, the Prime Minister Nicolae Ciuca said on the occasion of the day of Bessarabia's union with Romania, that history teaches us that military aggression, illegitimate domination and discrimination of nations cannot last. Proof thereof is the aspirations of the peoples, including the Romanian people, to live freely in a dignified, united and democratic way. The juridical and labor committees of the Romanian Senate are debating today the government's draft law on the reduction of special pension expenses. The project aims to reduce expenses with special pensions and allowances, a milestone included in the National Recovery and Resilience Plan. The changes proposed by the government refer at the calculation of special pensions starting from seniority in the respective specialty, the reduction of the calculation percentage relative to the earned income, the minimum contribution period being similar to that applied in the public pension system. The deadline for tacit adoption in the Senate is March 31st. We'll come back to that after the news. 
The Romanian tennis player Sorana Krista qualified for the round of 16 of the WTA 1000 tournament in Miami, Florida, which has total prizes worth $8.8 million after beating the Czech Karolina Muktova 7-5-6-1. She had won both previous matches with Krista. Today in the round of 16, the Romanian player will meet another player from the Czech Republic, Marketa Vondrusova. The score of the direct matches between the two is 1-1. The Romanian Foreign Minister Bogdan Aurescu is expected today in the Chamber of Deputies in Bucharest for the political debates within the so-called government tower. The representatives of the extremist ultranationalist opposition party, the Alliance for the Union of Romanians, requested his presence in order to give explanations regarding the file of Romania's Schengen accession, as well as uh, to detail Bucharest's diplomatic efforts in relation to the situation of the Bestroy Canal on that part of the Danube Delta located in neighboring Ukraine. On Friday, the transport minister Sorin Grindanu said that Romania was still waiting for the approval of the Ukrainian authorities to begin depth measurements on the canal with Ukrainian ships. Since 2014, the Ukrainians have wanted the Kilia arm of the Danube and the Bustroy Canal to be included in a European transport corridor. But Bucharest and Brussels are opposed to it because of the impact the works would have on the ecosystem of the Danube Delta, a unique area in Europe included in the UNESCO World Heritage. Last month, the Ukrainian Infrastructure Ministry announced that following some alleged dredging works, the depth of the canal increased from 3.9 to 6.5 meters. The National Museum of Romanian Literature, in partnership with the Ministry of Foreign Affairs and Karol I Central University Library in Bucharest, is organizing today the first edition of the Day of European Authors. This is an initiative of the European Commission which is meant to strengthen the relationship between the book and education sectors, aspiring to reconnect European citizens, especially the young generation, to reading and to help them discover European literature, its linguistic and cultural diversity. The European Commissioner for Innovation, Research, Culture, Education and Youth, Maria Gabriel, will officially launch this initiative in Sofia, together with the renowned Bulgarian writer Georgi Bardarov, the winner of the European Union Prize for Literature in 2021. The National Museum of Romanian Literature invites the public to a meeting with two of Romania's highly appreciated authors, recognized at the European level for numerous awards, the writer and journalist Gabriela Adameșteanu and the Franco-Romanian writer, poet and playwright Matej Vishniak, to discuss the diversity of European literature and the status of the European author. And that's the news. The government's bill on the special pensions is to be put to the vote in the Senate. I'm Cristina Matescu with this report by Leila Camille. What will happen with the special pensions that are giving headaches to the authorities in Bucharest on account of the current law not being compliant with the requirements of the European Commission and of the World Bank? There is a series of categories of such pensions in Romania that are not based on the contribution principle, including those of magistrates, the military and diplomats. 
In the European Union, Sweden is the only country not to have any form of special pensions. By the end of the week, the Senate must vote on a bill to reform the special pensions proposed by the government. Beyond this deadline, the bill will pass through tacit agreement and will then be submitted to the Chamber of Deputies. The government's bill refers to the reduction of expenses with workplace pensions and indemnities as laid down in the National Recovery and Resilience Plan. The changes refer to the calculation of workplace pensions based on seniority and taking into account incomes. Workplace pensions can no longer exceed the incomes obtained during the active period, and workplace pensions will be calculated based on contribution, according to an explanatory report submitted to the Senate. President Klaus Johannes said last week that the bill must seek a fair, equitable and sustainable pension system. Marcel Ciolacu, the leader of the Social Democratic Party in the ruling coalition, said Romania won't lose one euro from the National Recovery and Resilience Plan and that the bill on the reform of special pensions must take into account the reality at this moment, citing the war in neighboring Ukraine as an example. He admits there is inequality, but promised to address it in the future. On the other hand, the opposition has repeatedly accused the ruling parties of not really wanting to reform special pensions. The Save Romania Union says the parties in the ruling coalition are prepared to see Romania lose billions of euros meant for the country's development in order to maintain the benefits of several categories of employees. The Save Romania Union MP Christian Seidler said the bill proposed has very little impact on budget expenditure for special pensions. It takes a lot of courage, for the technical solution is very simple, but it's exactly courage that the current government is lacking to carry out this reform demanded by the entire Romanian society, Seidler also said. For the first time in history, Romania is represented by two women's handball clubs in Champions League. I am Vlad Palcu with a report by Florin Orban. Romanian women's handball has, over the years, delivered top results, both at national level as well as in European inter-club competitions. Alongside Hungary and Denmark, Romania is the third country this year, to be represented by two clubs in the Champions League quarterfinals. Norway and France, the two other countries with powerful handball teams, are each represented by a club. For Romania, this achievement offsets some of the subpar results reported in recent years by the national team. Whereas so far CSM Bucharest traditionally qualified to this phase of the competition, this year another team from Bucharest Rapid, a club with a rich history in women's handball, has also advanced to the knockout phase. The winner of the European Champions Cup in 1964, the IHF Cup in 1993 and the Cities Cup in 2000, Rapid thus returns to the elite of women's handball. On Sunday, the team from Bucharest defeated Krim Ljubljana of Slovenia 30-24 in the quarter-finals playoffs. Rapid restored the five-goal difference after Krim had won 29-24 the first leg played in Slovenia last week. The return leg was dominated by Rapid, which had the lead throughout the entire game. The end was not for the faint of heart, as the qualification was decided in the last seconds of the game. 
Estavana Polman of the defending world champions the Netherlands was the top scorer for Rapid with eight goals. Sorina Grozav also put in a stellar performance with six goals, of which two in the final stages of the match. The win could not have been possible without the contribution of one of the best head coaches in Europe right now, Kim Rasmussen of Denmark, who seven years ago won the Champions League with CSM Bucharest. The first leg of the quarterfinals is scheduled for the end of April, while the return legs will be played in early May. Rapid will take on Vipers Christian Sand of Norway, the defending champions, which secured qualification directly after winning Group A. CSM Bucharest has also qualified directly to the quarterfinals after ranking second in Group A and will take on Team Esbjerg of Denmark. In the quarterfinal playoffs, the Danish side ousted Bresbretagne of France. Romania thus has good chances of being represented by two teams in the final four tournament scheduled for early June in Budapest. And that has wrapped up our newscast. Let's listen next to the hit of the day, a song called Next to Your Heart from Ioana Ignat. Am fost alături de tine Și atunci când nu ți-a fost bine De ce mai uitat când mi-a fost lumea mai dragă Nici nu mai știu ce ne leagă Nu renunța Nu pot să mă gândesc că vei pleca
listening to Radio Romania International. Focus on Romania. The History Show. Welcome to The History Show with me, Eugen Nasta. Much has been written, and surely more will also be written, about World War I, the Great War, as it had been dubbed at that time, and that because the deflagration was something the world had not seen up to that moment. It was a tremendous mobilization of resources and people, made for the ideas of the age, for persuasions and for utopias. And that because the most eccentric ideas, before they are materialized, are oddities people get enthused with, when they deal with such ideas, at once being overcautious about them and rating them as forms of utopia. Everything that occurred in the aftermath of World War I in 1918 would have been considered before 1914, the year of the outbreak of the war, unachievable. In the Great Conflict, Romania took sides with the English-French-Russian Entente in 1916. The Romanian army in 1916 fought on World War I's longest front, stretching north of the Carpathian Ridge to south of the Danube and the shores of the Black Sea. The Romanian army eventually conceded defeat that year. Supported by the Russian army and the French military mission led by the General Berthelow, the Romanian army put up a successful resistance to the German and Austro-Hungarian armies who were advancing on the front line in 1917. In 1918, in the wake of the Entente emerging as winner, the old Romanian kingdom's unification was possible with the territories of the neighboring empires with a predominantly Romanian-speaking population. For posterity, the year 1918 went down as a year of triumph, a year of celebration and the commemoration of all Romanians' sacrifice for greater Romania. Savoring the victory of 1918 left little, if any, room for commiserating with the defeated, who lost almost everything. Austro-Hungary was dismantled and reduced to the territories where the ethnic populations of the two successor states, Austria and Hungary, were predominant. However, the real winners are those who find the time and the willingness to consider their opponent's sufferance, to look through the eyes of the losers at how much they had to suffer for victory themselves. To that end, the volume edited by the Hungarian historians Nandor Bardi and Judith Paul, entitled Over the Trenches, How the Hungarians of Transylvania Experienced the Great War and the Trianon, is a collection of documents of the time. The historian Daniel Kain told us that for the Romanians, the beginning of the war that led to the final victory was a much too optimistic one with very little doubt as regards the real situation. I shall make a reference, if I may, to an article that was a singular voice in the Old Kingdom press in late 1914 and early into 1915. It is an editorial published in a business magazine and also an attempted answer to those who are dead set on Romania's entering the war. Fine, we advance into Transylvania, we make Greater Romania. What would our administrative model be for those living in Transylvania? Do we have the required administrative experience to replace, for instance, the elite of the Transylvanian towns? 
it was a one-of-a-kind article at that time, as there were extremely boisterous other articles targeting the necessity and the light-mindedness of a decision to be taken for the Romanian army to cross the Carpathians. The light-mindedness with which people cause real tragedies is typical for our minds and motivated by our good intentions. Human beings are self-delusional, believing, for instance, that a war ends up quickly without much effort. It was the mindset of that particular generation and, as history has revealed, it was also the mindset of the generations to come. Historian Daniel Kain once again. In order to illustrate that light-mindedness with which people viewed the war in the summer of 1916, in Bucharest there were two major incidents that occurred prior to Romania's entering into the war. An explosion at the army's arsenal and another explosion at the ammunition storage in the Dudesh district. The following day, the press and mainly the Adevarul Daily said measures had to be taken because there were the spies who did it and 300 people were sacrificed. That was exactly the number of people who had to be sacrificed for the accomplishment of the national idea once the Carpathians had been crossed. So, in 1916, a great part of the public in the Old Kingdom was firmly convinced that Romania's entering into the war would be no more difficult than a walk. Here is historian Daniel Kain once again, this time speaking about the good points of a thought-provoking volume, a book where we can find the same experiences that are typical for wartime, it's just that they're being viewed from the other side. It practically offers several answers to several questions. It provides an extremely varied image of what, first and foremost, the experience of the war meant for the ordinary people who faithfully felt the pressure of those trying times. Here we have testimonies of experiences that mainly boil down to uncertainty, to the uncertainty of tomorrow, to fear. Just put yourselves in the shoes of those living in the border localities, where, all of a sudden, the next day they see another army marching into their locality. And what they see is a change, a withdrawal of the local administration, a replacement of the local administration, only to see that, in a couple of days or in a few weeks' time, the former state of things would again be back in place. The volume Over the Trenches is more than an invitation to reading. It is an urge to view a glorious year, such as 1918 was for the Romanians, from the other side, the side of those who lost. It is an urge for winners and losers alike to share the sufferance. And that was The History Show. The 2023 edition of Your Europe, Your Say program, organized by the European Economic and Social Committee, took place over the 23rd and 24th of March. Radio Romania International's Eugen Kozokariu used this opportunity to talk to the EU Youth Coordinator, Biliana Sirakova. What is the importance of an event such as your Europe, your say. Well, this event has proved it, its value because it has been going on for 13 years already. And uh, it's connecting young people across borders. And this year, there is special significance that we also have candidate countries here. It's connecting them across borders. It helps them network to learn 
and to, to create bonds. And it brings them closer to the EU, creates a sense of European belonging as well, which is so important for the society that we live in. How will you monetize in your capacity of EU youth coordinator the ideas and the conclusions of this debate? So there are two things. I think this event is first unique with its process. As you saw, these young people, you know, debated, they argued in groups, they reached compromises, they learned actively the process of participation. And secondly, as you saw, their output was extremely important. They had many good points, especially on the factors which helped them become engaged or less engaged. They had very good points on how we have to communicate better with young people in a more clear language and how we have to be more approachable to them. And so I will carry these recommendations within the commission. We have started now a commission youth network where different services working on different issues attend. And so I will bring this recommendation to this group so that the young people's voice can be heard in the different services who are responsible for the different areas they refer to. Please tell us a little bit about your duties and your activity as youth coordinator, you have almost two years in office. Yeah, there are two parts of this role. One is the youth coordinator was created uh, this role in order to mainstream young people's voices into different policy areas. And this is what I refer to. We have a network so that when we understand youth needs and uh, how they can contribute to our policies, this is shared with all the different services so that young people's voices are not just heard in education, you know, in training, culture, but also in health, in finance, in you know, employment, etc. So this is one thing. There is also an external part of the role where I connect and I'm a contact point for youth organizations, especially the ones operating at European level. So they, they have a contact in the commission and they can also help us understand better the needs. The European Youth Portal has over 30 years. You have spoken a little bit about this portal. Which are the outcomes, which are the results of this portal? The European Youth Portal is multilingual and and uh, it helps uh, for information to reach young people. What is really critical is that it gets accessed, you know, by thousands of young people. We are also making it more interactive. Now we are actually looking into a revision where there will be more interactive features which young people are looking for, like commenting or liking certain things. And it's grown through the years that it becomes much broader. It covers many more topics and uh, we see a, a big potential for it. That's why I mentioned it today because it's a really one-stop shop where young people mm -hmm. can, can access a lot of useful information. Which are the biggest problems and challenges for young Europeans, generally speaking? You have a huge experience in this field. Yeah, so there are many issues that they care about. I think it also depends. I mean, in some countries, maybe uh, more in the southern Europe, there are still quite serious issues linked to economics and you know unemployment. And then in some other countries, it's a different type of factors, maybe mental health, youth mental health issues are on the rise. So I don't think we can generalize because the context is very different. And maybe sometimes even young people in a particular city are facing certain obstacles. However, we did ask uh, and we regularly look at the evidence and the research on that. And so environment concerns are still on the top of their list.
list in terms of priorities. There are other things like economic reasons, employment. But one thing that stood out last year when we did this large Eurobarometer on youth and democracy, the top thing actually that young people wanted from the European year of youth is for society and decision makers to listen to them more. So this is something that is extremely horizontal and important because they feel like they want to be included and they want to be consulted. What is your advice for young people to maximize the personal development opportunities offered by the European Union? We have a lot of programs tailored for young people and targeted to them, but you have told us there is a big problem of awareness. I think it is important that young people stay informed and search for the information. Nowadays, with the internet and with the digital means, there are more opportunities to find the information. I gave them some advice on how they can contact the European Union. And the Union is not just Brussels. There is a Europe Direct Center, a number of direct centers in every country. There is a representation of the Commission. There are many, many different ways to get informed and to learn about the opportunities that are available. I think it's critical that young people network also, you know, use also structures such as youth organizations. Every country has a national youth council. There are often other youth organizations which are there. So they are become more powerful if they speak together and find allies. So this is what I would do. We talked today about this importance of intergenerational solidarity. So I think having said that young people should network among themselves, I think they can also search for allies among their teachers, parents, you know, This is something that I would say is important as well. How have you reacted to the influx of young Ukrainians refugees? So this is a bit more complicated because it is not immediately an area that uh, I'm responsible for. But I work in the Director General for Education, Culture, Youth and Sport. And there are a lot of measures so everyone has done in their area. So, for instance, in uh, education, a lot has been done. I mean, there are sometimes, you know, seemingly simple things like translation of Ukrainian textbooks, but there are important things. So we have done a lot that is um, available there. And there is actually a unique page even on the European Union with listing all of different opportunities that were created. We have provided guidelines to teachers how they can accommodate young Ukrainians in the schools because this is something that of course came out of nowhere for anyone so we have provided their guidelines about how to address mental health issues and the trauma these young people have gone to we have also provided help for teachers who are coming from Ukraine but also you know for artists and different uh, populations so a lot has been done but there is a website which really has put all of the resources Sources and the references together. You are listening to Radio Romania International. Next in this broadcast is All That Jazz. Welcome, I'm your host, Mihaila Ignatescu. On March 25th, the entire Christian world celebrates the Feast of the Annunciation. So today we thought of playing for you jazz pieces of religious inspiration. To start with, here is songwriter and vocalist Anna Mardare performing a tune titled God is with us along the Jazz and Soul Strings Orchestra. Dumnezeu înțelege 
Next in the program, we invite you to listen to the well-known vocalist, songwriter and band leader Teodora Enake Brody with a jazz rendition of Prayer for Mother Earth, as on March 25th we also celebrate the Earth Hour. couldn't have had today's edition without the late Anka Pargel, one of the greatest Romanian jazz vocalist, improviser, composer and teacher. So to end today's edition of All That Jazz, listen to Anka Pargel and her beautiful rendition of Ave Maria.
Living Romania. This is Bucharest Radio Romania International. Listener's Letterbox. Hello, dear friends, and welcome to another listener's letterbox this month. I am Daniel Beals at the microphone, ready to take you once again on an imaginary trip around the world. Of course, by means of the messages, letters and reports we have received from you in the past week. Winter seems to have gone from this part of the world for good, much to the disappointment of those like me who are still fascinated with the beauty of snow falling and winter wonderland sceneries, with stories told close to a fireplace or a stove, with hot teapots and burning candles, with crowded skate rinks and animated ski slopes, with a miracle and lull of winter holidays, with the unmistakable smell of cloves, cinnamon and oranges, with pound cakes and mulled wine, frosty windows and snowbanks. I believe all these are gone now and winter seems to have definitely lost its grip upon this part of the world. Unfortunately, in the past decades we have only seen a couple of real winter days per season and blizzard, snow and sub-zero temperatures are very rare phenomena, particularly in southern Romania, heavily impacted by the global warming. But so much for this winter nostalgia as people in t-shirts and other summer clothes are now taking to parks around Bucharest in droves and also getting ready for the upcoming summer season. And speaking about the summer season, our radio station will again be changing frequencies this weekend with the daylight saving time frequencies that are valid as of March the 25th to October the 28th, 2023. So our listeners in Western Europe can receive our programs between 5.30 and 6 hours UTC on two frequencies, 9700 and 11960 kHz in the DRM system. Between 11 and 12 hours UTC, the programs we beam to Western Europe can be received on 15130 and 17630 kHz, while between 17 and 18 hours on 13750 kHz in the DRM system and on 15180 kHz. Also in Europe, between 2030 and 21 hours, we broadcast on 9740 and 11975 kHz DRM. Between 22 hours and 23 hours UTC, our broadcasts to Europe can be tuned in on 9740 kHz and 11800 kHz. Listeners in Africa can tune in on 15320 and 17.670 kHz between 11 and 12 hours UTC. We broadcast to the east coast of North America on 11850 and 13.650 kHz between 20.30 and 21 hours UTC and also between 0 and 1 hour UTC on our old frequency 9550 kHz 
and on 11.620 kHz. The RRI broadcasts to the west coast of North America between 3 and 4 hours UTC are carried by 98.50 and 11.620 kHz. Listeners in Japan, where we have a significant community of listeners judging by the large number of reception reports that we receive from that region, can tune into our programs on 9790 and 11.650 kHz at 22 hours UTC. From the land of the rising sun, we go down under now to Australia, where our programs can be received on 17760 and 21.550 kHz between 5.30 and 6 hours UTC, while in India we broadcast between 3 and 4 hours UTC on two frequencies, 17790 kHz and 15.3 30 kilohertz in the DRM system. You are listening to Radio Romania International. And now let's have a look at the latest reception reports and messages that we have received from you in the past weeks. The first one comes from our longtime listener in Japan, Teruhiko Kachi of Nagoya. Here is a fragment from his letter. Dear RRI English Service staff, as I wrote before, the recent reception conditions of RRI on 9620 kHz is a little bit worse than in February. However, there was an announcement of the summer schedule, including new frequencies, in the latest DX mailbag show. Looking back on my past DX logs when I was young, I listened to Radio Bucharest, on higher frequencies such as 15250 kHz and 11940 kHz. So I'm looking forward to 11650 kHz, which will be used for the broadcast to Japan from March the 26th. By the way, earlier this month, the President of Romania and the Prime Minister of Japan signed the strategic partnership between the two countries. Dedicating to this, your broadcast Japanese culture in Romania in the program of Artscape, which I was very interested in. As I am not familiar with Japanese pop culture, I found out about Sumika, Genki Kawamura and so on, not from NHK of Japan, but from Radio Romania International. Anyway, I am glad that Japanese culture is accepted in Romania. I hope that the friendship between Romania and Japan will last for a long, long time. I will send you a reception report in the near future, probably in early April. Jayanta Chakrabarti is our faithful listener of New Delhi, India. Here is a fragment from his latest message to us here at Radio Romania International. I am delighted to comment on your broadcasts of the 19th of March 2023 beamed to India. The reception quality as usual was good with satisfactory signal strength with no atmospheric interference. I enjoyed listening to the listeners mailbag show where RRI's listeners around the world like the USA sent in their reception conditions and reports. 
I also enjoyed Romanian folklore in the program entitled Simply Folk, the melodious song I was born on Monday by famous folk artist Nicolae was just captivating. I would be very grateful if my report is verified with a printed QSL card, if correct. My sincere regards to you and to the dedicated team at Radio Romania International. Thank you very much indeed, Mr. Chakraborty, for the precise report of reception, which has been verified, and we can announce you that we are going to have a QSL card on its way to your address in New Delhi. And the same goes for Dig Vijay Sarnobat of Maharashtra, who tuned into our broadcasts on March the 15th. Here is a fragment from his letter. Hello, I am writing this email to send a reception report. I received Radio Romania International Station in India at evening according to local time. Signal was audible. Program was very good and informative. I have attached a video of the reception. Heard sports news at 12.30 UTC. Then there were traditional songs by Virginia. Couldn't catch the complete name like Beautiful Flower of Basil. Happening in Romania, the 25th International Festival documentary conducted from the 2nd of March to the 12th of March and a photography event being conducted for European Photo Month. From India, we go to North America to say hello to Michael Navin of Rochester, New York, who wrote, Dear Sirs, at 12 hours EDT, March the 15th, 2023, I picked up your English broadcast at both 60-20 kHz and 74-10 kHz. Both signals were poor and did not improve. Earlier experiences were quite the reverse, with good signals. But not this time. I don't know if this is because of atmospheric conditions or problems with your transmitter. Well, friends, this is all we have time for in this program. We thank you all very much indeed for the time you took to tune in and send in reception reports and messages. Until next time, from me, Daniel Bills, it's goodbye and good listening. Focus on Romania. Coming up next on Radio Romania International. Simply Folk. To end this broadcast, let's listen to Flora Kalota with a song called The Doina of the Plough.
And with that, our broadcast in English for listeners in Western Europe and Africa has come to an end. You can listen to our next program for Western Europe at 17 UTC on 13,750 kHz in the DRM system and on 15,180 kHz in analog system. Listeners in Africa can receive our programs, tomorrow, at 11 UTC on 15,320 and 17,670 kHz. We can also be heard on the internet, at www.rri.ro, channel 1. If you have any comments or suggestions, please write an email at engl at rri.ro. Goodbye. Goodbye.